0: You know the show specifically about repurposing so we're always looking at ways that we can take pieces of content and make them so much more so i know you're an you know an expert in this but what we're going to look at is if you did this how would you repurpose it how would you do how would you you know break things down and things like that so it's always good to brief people in advance isn't it
1: Podcast Junkies episode 221. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you are new to the show and this is the first episode you've ever checked out or listened to, this is the one where we speak to amazing, fascinating and interesting podcast personalities from around the podosphere and that includes not only podcasters, but founders of some of the most interesting podcasting companies that we're coming across. In case you missed last week's episode, I had a great conversation with Ian Gaines, host of Immigration Nerds. Feedback on that has been really positive, so make sure you check that out, episode 220. This week, I welcome two podcast junkies for a long overdue interview, my friend Amy Woods. Amy and I have met several times and hung out at various podcasting conferences, and I couldn't believe how much time had gone past without having her invited and having her come on the show. She's the founder of Content 10X, a company that specializes in repurposing your content in a wide variety of mediums, and it's something that she is definitely an expert in. She shares her entrepreneurial journey, and there's a lot of overlap in terms of what she and I both experienced as we were building our companies, so we talk a little bit about that. Something that's of interest to me is how she measures client success rate, and she dives into detail on that, which I think you'll find valuable. We talk about the success of her podcast and how she's grown as a podcast host and how she coaches her clients on channel and platform engagement. There's a funny story in there about her spoof of love actually that I caught on LinkedIn. So I had to ask her about the thinking behind that. And that's just an example of her funny personality, which I think a lot of people don't get to see. So I'm glad we got to chat about that. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and the Scarlet 2i2, specifically my favorite sound card, My current pairing is the Samson Q2U microphone direct into the Focusrite, and I love the fact that it gives me precise control over my mic levels and my monitoring levels as well. It's my number one recommendation for sound cards. The 2i2 is what I have, and you can also get the solo version, which allows just the one mic input if you're not going to be having any in-studio guests, which I imagine there may not be a lot of (laughs) nowadays. So head on over to podcastjunkies.com, forward slash focus right for more details once again given the climate i hope you and your family and loved ones are doing well in this crazy crazy time that we're living through stay safe stay tuned to the end of the episode where i reveal this week's hashtag but let's jump in right now and learn all we can about 10xing our content with amy so amy woods host and founder of content 10x thank you for finally finding some time to make it onto podcast junkies
0: thank you so much for having me it's great to be here
1: <laughs> so much to talk about we've been friends in the podcasting world for a long time and i was talking to natalie this morning and she says hi
0: i say hi back as well <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she was uh, saying that i was thinking about like yeah there's people that we've known for a long time or people that friends that I know. And I get so excited when I see them because the conferences are a bit of a family reunion, but it goes by so fast. You don't get to talk. And I know we've got to hang out and, and do some bumper car racing. <laughs> <laughs> Last time we got together, I really treasure these moments because I feel like it's an opportunity to get to know each other a little better and, and have you share, share the story. So maybe uh, winding the clock back. Can you tell a little bit about how you, you started getting into the, the podcasting world and early days uh, when when that was? Because I don't think I actually know the story. I think it'll be helpful for the audience.
0: Yeah, so my background is actually in uh, the corporate world for a long time. So I, in, I've been in this space for nearly three years, which, of course, is not that long at all, really. But I was a management consultant, actually, for 13 years in a completely different world uh, space so I was working in mergers and acquisitions in mainly the the banking industry but also kind of tech working with clients like Bank of America um and Microsoft so big 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 like huge organizations and then I left that behind um, and I wanted to start my own business but I initially was working in business consultancy but in an online capacity and I Immerse myself in the world of content marketing. And I was following all the people that we will know the name like Gary Vaynerchuk, Pat Flynn, Amy Porterfield, you know, all those familiar people and I started to create a lot of content myself and that's when I guess I came up with a business idea so I wasn't my heart definitely wasn't in continuing with business advisory and business consulting because I wanted to create I'd always been quite creative and it felt like the right time to do something a lot more creative and that's when I came up with the idea of of content repurposing and that kind of thing and working specifically with um, podcasters and video creators so the main people we work with podcast video creators and we started working with speakers as well and but we mainly work with podcasters because even if we work with video creators we usually repurpose the videos into podcasts so there's always the podcast space but the reason that I launched my podcast really was because I we were serving and working with podcasters and it seemed you know, wrong in a way that I did not know, you know, I needed to have a podcast, you know, I needed to, to understand what it was to be a podcaster, to learn the the craft of not just serving them, but being a podcaster as well. So when working out what will be my core content marketing channel, it had to be a podcast.
1: So can you talk a little bit about the idea for Content 10X and how many iterations of other ideas did you try before you fi- you figured out that this was the one that was a, a fit for, for you and your skill set?
0: Well, I mean, it, when leaving the corporate world, it really was the, the business coaching and consulting that I was doing. And then when I was doing that, I was repurposing my content. So Actually, what I was doing was I was going live every week on Facebook and then I was repurposing the Facebook live into other video content and a blog post and, you know, tweets and Facebook posts, Instagram posts, things like that. And I had people helping me. So I had freelancers, a freelance copywriter, graphic designer. Um, somebody helping to publish the content. And so, you know, this little team of people was actually quite very valuable, but time-consuming to juggle and uh, give them the work, review the work, all that kind of thing. And I just, I guess I had the epiphany then, okay, like repurposing content is a great thing to do. And most people recognize it's important, but it's time-consuming and requires multiple different skill sets. And here I have assembled a team, but perhaps actually people could have an, uh, could outside, to somebody who is a single point of contact and they manage the team and the skill sets and that kind of thing and it probably went back to my corporate days of I'd worked in a lot of outsourcing and that you know that was mergers acquisitions outsourcing was what I did so I suppose I thought right you could out that you could not this could be an outsource opportunity so I had the idea but in terms of iteration so initially I had the idea and I went to a mastermind um with Dean you, have you heard of chris ducker
1: yes yeah or yeah. early po- early folks in the podcasting space will know uh chris chris really well <laughs>
0: yeah exactly because he's had his epreneur Fm for. Wow, yeah, like six years or something like that. So I went to a mastermind with Chris and it was just a small thing. So it was really good. There were just, I think, six or so people in a room for the day with Chris. And I knew that as a podcaster, he would be a great target audience for test for discussing this idea with. And I knew that the people in the room would most likely at least be content creators, be it be it podcasters or um, video. Fortunately, I think everyone in the room had a podcast, which was great. And so when I went to the mastermind, it was, it was a quite a big, I suppose, investment of time and money because I didn't actually have a business. I just had an idea and I didn't really know Chris that well either. I wasn't actually much of a, a listener of his show or much of a follower. It was just that nobody did mastermind in the UK. Like I was hearing about, you know, all these people doing masterminds in the US. Um, And, you know, Pat Flynn was always talking about masterminds on smart passive income. And when I researched it, it, you know, really was hard to find anything. And so I'd emailed Chris and like he'd invited me to this. And uh, we're in the room, it was a great response. You know, everybody was I, I presented because c- I was st- soon, I was still early days out of corporate. So everyone else kind of just turned up with a notepad and stuff. And I turned up with it like a handout and <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and, and all sorts, you know, like a, a
1: deck. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. You can, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was so funny. I still get made fun of now about that. The day I turned up with the deck and the handout stuff. Stuff. But I presented everyone the idea, and then it was just that everyone was like, you know, I'd buy it, I, you know, I would go ahead, this is great, and everything. But then initially, I thought that it could be pretty straightforward. Most people would have a similar problem and there would be a fairly similar solution to that problem. Um, and it, so it could be pretty standard, you know, you give us the podcast episode and then we'll, we'll turn it into XYZ. But then as I brought the first client on and second, so I started to realize that everyone had such different needs, like, you know, not everybody was on the same social platforms and some people didn't want anything on YouTube, some people did. Um, you know, of course, different lengths of, working on a 10 minute show versus working on a one hour show was, you know, such a different proposition for the team. And so I guess first off, I learned that it had to become a lot more custom, a lot more custom than what I thought it could initially be. And that actually every client's needs were really different. So it grew from here's the package to well what do you want let's devise a package for you Um, mainly started working with podcasters but then started to work with people with video and had a bit more flexibility with what we could do with video but usually I mentioned before we usually do where we can create podcast content from videos too, if people want that. Yeah, it's changed loads and, and initially it was a one man band, but you know, now as a, the clients have grown, the team has grown and kind of steps up like that. Few more clients, another team member, few more clients, another team member and kind of stepped up like that. And yeah, it's nearly three years, but I agree with you in terms of I feel like I've been in this space for a lot longer than three years and I feel like I've met so many people and know them really well. Um, and if it's such a, friendly, kind of warm and open industry to be in, especially from industries that are used to be in like, like banking and tech, et cetera.
1: Yeah, it's so funny cuz I can relate to those stories and I'm um, I'm getting flashbacks of preparing decks for my manager and we'd have to prepare like 20 copies and I'd have them all lined up on the on the desk and we they're all color copies and so I, I was always I would always wonder how much we spent in toner.
0: <laughs> I <company>. know. <laughs> I know exactly.
1: These 20-page, 30-page decks all in color. And I'm like, do they really have to be all in color? Like it was it was just crazy. And even the word deck, like that's a word that you only use if you're coming from corporate if you <laughs>
0: yeah it really is isn't it actually saying deck yeah um i remember when i first started and people talked about decks and it you know was really confused by that
1: <laughs> and uh, i worked in financial services companies so i worked at uh jp morgan chase and at e-trade too in the marketing departments and so it's been and you talked about e- mergers and acquisitions i started in the branches i worked in it was chemical bank which was bought it was actually manufacturers Hanover, which, which for like two weeks, which was bought by chemical, which was bought by Chase, which was merged with J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's been it's an interesting thing. And even coming from corporate, the biggest thing for me, even having had all that corporate experience, is it's a whole new world to discover what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And and to your point, you know, you you worked with Chris, which is great, and I hired a business coach uh, that I still work with by the name of Taki Moore out of Australia. I keep using the analogy cuz I love the movie but it's like Narnia, like when you go and step into the world of being an entrepreneur. I I met some people and and the, you probably had this happen too, like these people were making six figures or seven figures like with a digital like no staff company or very small staff, all remote, and I was just blown away. I was I was like, who Who are these people? How does How do they do this? Like, I couldn't just wrap my head around it. And you know, just you start getting immersed in this world of like, and you know, people. You You read people like Jim Rohn, who says you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you know, I'm just wondering if it was the same experience from you. It was a big learning curve for me because I didn't have friends that were entrepreneurs and that started businesses. So I it was it was a lot to learn. But I, you know, that's why it was so important for me to have a mastermind and and, and go the live events for me and the conferences were really important at that time.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I when I was looking for the way out, and I discovered this concept of online businesses, and as you said, you know, people with digital products, and, you know, learning about, uh, you know, you don't have to have big teams, physical presence, and you can, you can create these digital products and make lots of money. I was drawn into that and I thought that sounded great and was hearing all of these. I think it's because the first podcast I ever listened to was Pat Flynn's and it all started from, it's funny actually, I'd been ill, okay, and I'd been, I was in hospital and um, this was why I was off work so I wouldn't have done any of this if I hadn't been ill because I, I was ill and I was, had a lot of operations that year and I had a lot of time off and I'd never had any time off before, like ever. So I'd never come off the hamster wheel of, of just work, normal work. I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't read blog posts. I didn't, I worked and then in, you're the same, like long hour culture and stuff. So free time was just free time. It wasn't looking at computers or anything like that. It was doing things. So, when I, I'd had this operation and I was actually like, this the next day and I'd been advertised this, it turned out to be this awful kind of MLM type thing, but it was on one of the social media platforms and it was this organization called, I think it was called the Six Figure Mentors and... But it was, it was this video series of how you can learn to probably make something like six figures or seven figures from having a, it was, this was a turnkey affiliate program kind of thing. So it, it sounded really great in practice. What they were saying was, you use our program and it's kind of a turnkey you blog or whatever it is. So you have our affiliate links and you'll just make all this money and you'll have these 10 grand days and things like that. But it, it, that turned out to be not good. It was a, it was a, an MLM type scheme where actually what they were teaching people to sell was just a, um, a lifestyle, a, an idea and a lifestyle. And then you brought other people in to teach other people to sell a lifestyle and da, da, da. da, da. And And the higher, it's really, it was what was really sad was the highest value in this program of theirs was something like $32,000 to, to join it. But all you got, all you got then was higher commissions on their affiliate program. And, but of course, a person, because it was a pyramid, the day that a person spent 32 grand, one person did make 10 grand because it was just all a pyramid scheme, really. but but whilst that wasn't great, and I soon realised it wasn't for me, they had this digital skills platform, so they were teaching you some kind of stuff. So they were teaching you about email marketing and um, about social media and, and the basics, WordPress, things like that.
1: And when and when you're new, you eat, you really like are starving for that sort of information. You eat all that up because this is the first time you're being introduced to those that world.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and just all completely new. And it was brilliant. And just learning, you know, all these new skills. And I think I was initially, uh, like, I guess, maybe quite naive in terms of hearing the the Amy Porterfield and, and Pat Flynn stories that, you know, are true, but not everybody's going to have their kind of success. So hearing about, you know, build an on- online course, grow your list to a certain amount, and then just sell that course passively and make lots of money. Um, and, you know, or have a membership and just Put some content in the membership. Have a thousand members paying you hundred dollars a month, and you've made it, kind of thing. Yeah, and so it's I think easy. <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's really easy, isn't it? And so it sounded really easy, and I think I chased that for a little bit, actually. So uh, through a combination of thinking that it sounded easy, the program, this this company that made it sound easy too, I think I chased that for a bit. So I kept thinking, what online course can I develop, and then I'll grow an audience and sell the course, and or oh, what membership could I have? But then I think just something just kind of went off inside me that said, it does, this sounds great, but is it really me? I actually think I'd rather just have a solid business, um, not kind of trying to sell online courses or anything like that, but just what was right for me was having a team, having clients delivering some kind of service because I didn't have a product or such and just more tangible. And it it's not meaning to insult anybody who has online course or membership because I have friends who have amazing successful memberships and things like that. But I, I just didn't, it, it didn't feel like it was the business that I was going to at least start with from scratch when I actually had, to earn money um it seemed like something maybe further down the line so that's when the uh, like coming up with the idea of an agency really I guess content and next is an agency specializing in repurposing it felt more right to me then it felt like I'd have clients have have money coming in and build a team things like that rather than kind of chasing that that passive income <laughs>
1: What was it like when you you came up with the the idea for what content 10X would be and how has that changed in terms of like maybe early services that you offered and how have you refined those now? Do you have that more dialed in? Do you see more better results with certain types of shows or certain type of clients? What have you learned since starting about uh, what are best practices when it comes to repurposing?
0: I think, so, uh, so from a kind of business perspective, I think what I've learned is that our ideal client and the people who want to work with us uh, kind of wanted us, wanted to hand off everything post the creation process. And so initially I hadn't factored in things like the publishing of content for people. It was just going to be, well, we'll, you know, we'll create these assets and deliver them to you. And then, you know, you can publish and things like that. So then we started to add extra bits on. So then we did start taking on the publishing of content too, and, and going into people's social media and their websites and the hosts and things like that. So I think initially I thought that we could just give people content and it, we could only solve a part of the problem. And I realized that actually people want as big a, of the problem solved as possible, which is actually just focusing on great content and leaving the rest to someone else. So it became bigger in that regard and mentioned before, it became a lot more custom. So even to this day, I don't think any two clients receive exactly the same service because it's just so many nuances to what people want, when and how, and sure you can completely relate to me on that, um, and so more nuanced and, and bigger. And then in terms of, I guess, the kind of clients who work with us for our bigger service, like our main service, they we mainly work with podcasts business associated podcasts so but you know it's, it's really a business who are creating content in order to grow their business as opposed to uh, any shows that are maybe trying to monetize through sponsorship and certainly not really kind of hobby type podcast but it's content marketing Arms to existing kind of revenue generating businesses and they're the, the people that we work with. And I guess in terms of con- the, like the repurposing best practices that you mentioned, definitely that you need to really respect the different platforms that you're creating the content for. Yeah, There's no... Well, our approach is is not that there is you know any kind of cookie cutter approach of putting the same things in different places and then it will just work because looking at social media um we always look at what hap- What works well for people on Instagram isn't going to necessarily work well on LinkedIn, isn't going to work as well on Facebook and things like that. So having really platform specific focuses for the content and really making sure that when you are working on content repurposing, that you look at search and social, because I think sometimes people focus a bit too much on uh, social, which of course is important, growing like social following and having goals for that, but also Um, search especially for the newer shows so repurposing podcasts into um, really well written not just not just show notes but blog posts and and having like an SEO type focus to everything and incorporating YouTube if people are open to it as well as websites and as well as what we can do on other platforms for you know the, the SEO side and just being found and Pinterest too, depending on the demographic of the audience, things like that. But the key search, you know, whether it's Google or Bing, YouTube and Pinterest is the key search areas. And then obviously the social platforms. But yeah, mixing search and social and being really, really acutely aware of the different platforms and, and how to be very specific for each one.
1: It's really interesting, especially with podcasts, because while we see... A ton of promotion for podcast episodes across all the social platforms. I think I'm, what, what's interesting for me is, you know, I, I wish I could follow like a person's journey when they see something and they engage on something on social, because when you see a podcast advertised and, you know, we do it, I do it myself and I'm sure you do it even for the podcast that you listen to. Like I inevitably, like I have a habit of like how I listen to podcasts. I listen to Overcast a lot. So if I, if I, I and, and I see something that's engaging and I'm like, Oh, I want to listen to that. But if, if it, there's a bit of a barrier or a stumbling block for me to get to listen to that in the platform that I, I prefer, it really slows me down. So I'm wondering how you talk that through with clients in terms of like, which link, especially like which link everyone that, that everyone's talking all the time about which links should we be promoting? Because, you know, you can't, pixel like the apple podcast site so you can't tell if people went there right because people would want to do that you can send people to the site but you don't know if they hit play so i'm wondering from a podcasting perspective what's what's best practices uh, in terms of what what links people should be using and your thoughts on like embedding uh using audiograms and and, and embedding uh links to players as well
0: well i know because they you know the, there's a big Issue and debate over using links on any of the platforms, really, isn't there, in terms of how much it can diminish the reach of your post in the first place? So, taking, let's say, for example, um, let's say LinkedIn. So, when you're posting about a most re- a recent episode and you put the you know, you want to put the link to, well, yeah, like whichever one we decide. So usually for most of our clients, because it's for business and they want people, ultimately what they want people to do is obviously listen to the podcast, but they want people to absorb what they do as a business and be on their website and, get in, and go down a rabbit hole and then, and then fill in that inquiry form and, and have the meeting and become a client. Yeah. So most of the time we do really try and direct people to the client's website. But if it's the podcast page of the website, you know, they can then choose which app to then go and listen to it on or the player on the website which I don't think happens that often really does it that people listen to them on the player of websites because they're usually listening on apps but when it comes to putting the links on people's posts on like on social posts, we really play around with that. So LinkedIn at the moment, a lot of people will say, well, they'll say in the post, click the link in the first comment, and obviously trying to, to dodge the algorithm. Um, recently, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, no, you don't need to do that. You just need to hit post and then uh, wait a minute or so, edit the post and put the link in and that kind of yeah, skips the algorithm. That, yeah. But then we were, one of our clients had an interview recently with a lady who actually worked for LinkedIn and he directly asked her and she denied this whole, you know, she, she said it's <laughs> <"That's> not true. <laughs> like, we don't we don't diminish reach, we just look at quality. But I mean, uh, she said that, but we, we know for sure that when we've added links and not added links has been a major difference in the reach of the post. So I think, you know, you, you just have to be careful of using them. And then we, we do always link to the, the website for people to just go further and listen to the, the podcast. But I think I guess like an important point for us a lot of the time is that it sounds funny because it's, you know, ultimately you'd think, well, if it's a podcast, you want people to listen to podcasts, but it's not always the ultimate goal of our repurposing because say, for example, on Twitter, what we often will be saying to our clients is that we will uh, repurpose your podcast episode to get some really great conversations going on on Twitter so it's not actually about going and listening to the podcast episode but
1: yeah.
0: you know we'll li- we'll listen to this week's episode and we'll pick out some really great conversation starters and and we'll tweet them out and we'll get some great conversations going so the end goal was to to lead some conversations on Twitter similar on LinkedIn sometimes then in the comments when when comments take off it's more subtly saying this was all talked about in this week's episode you know I asked this question because this week's guest mentioned it and stuff like that so being a lot more subtle in the conversation starter and and then mentioning that it's mentioned in content that was recently out same with Instagram too like sometimes it's not necessarily about Getting them to listen to the podcast episode, but we'll say to our clients, we'll derive a really great story from this week's episode and we'll create you great, some great stories content. But at the end of the story, the swipe up could be to a content upgrade or a promo or something. And then the, the episode has sort of been skipped from what the funnel is and what the ultimate call to action is. Um, so really kind of depends. And I guess like for some of our clients, they, they're trying to build influence in their industry is first and foremost. And if they're in an area, so for example, one of my clients, he's in the treasury industry and very specifically is in recruitment of treasurers. And so it's so Niche or niche, (laughs) Um, so it's really, 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 really drilled down, and there wasn't really anyone who had a podcast in that whole space. So, firstly, by being the kind of the trailblazer and and going in and having a podcast, even people in his industry who've never even heard of what podcast was, were sitting up and taking notice because what what is this guy talking about? A podcast? What's he launched and stuff like that? So, initially, we had a bit of trouble just trying to work out, you know, how do we get these people to even know what a podcast is and and how they would listen to it before, you know, we even start trying to get them to subscribe and become regular listeners. So we focus a lot on that in terms of first getting them to like the topics being discussed and then subtly mention, well, this is all covered in the podcast and this is how you listen to a podcast and things like that. But what's happened for him is that he's become so well known now in his industry as the guy who doesn't just run this business and all of that, but he has the podcast, he's the podcast guy. And and he's put himself on a level above his peers for doing that. That for going to that extra effort for bec- for appearing to be way more of um, an industry leader because of what he's done. And of course, what is he doing? He's having interviews with people who are actually his ideal clients because he's sitting down with the, the chief treasurer of these Fortune 500 companies to discuss what they look for in a candidate and that kind of thing because it's about recruitment. But of course, when the mic goes off, what do they say to him? Tell you know, Tell us more about your business, Mike. What do you do? Yeah, do, do, do. And so, yeah. you know, He uses his podcast as as lead gen, um, a relationship builder, just as much as the downloads don't really matter in terms of if he's getting clients and things like that and raising his profile. And he's got lots of speaking engagements because people think if he's got a podcast, he knows all these people, let's have him speak at our next event. So the benefits go way beyond downloads. That doesn't really... Matter <laughs>
1: for him. Yeah, it's so interesting because we 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 produce shows for clients that are more business focused as well, and you know we really don't focus on the downloads. It may sound funny, especially for podcasters. You know, we're we're looking for engaged audience, and it could be you know they could be getting a couple of hundred downloads per episode, but if the people are coming in week over week to listen to their content, and you know they they there's very few co- there's little competition in that space you know, they're, they're going to convert. And I always tell clients like, what's the one thing you want a listener to do as a result of having listened to your episode, like be clear about your call to action, but then, you know, recognize, and you need to move them to the next step. Like what's the next step they've listened now and how do they, you know, get the lead magnet, sign up for the email list, you know, get to the website to your point, you know, especially for the business clients, like moving them to the, to the next opportunity for them to engage with the host, I think is so important.
0: Yeah. And, it, and as you said, it really depends on for businesses. It, it can really change, can't it, what the call to action is? Maybe they're putting on an event. So a lot of the content is all leading up to buying tickets for the event. But then the next thing is they just want to grow their email subscribers and the next thing. But it's all for their business. It's not for sponsors and it's not for anything else, but it's all they were investing all this time and money because they want to grow the business. And, and and then it's, as, as you said, like just making sure they're really clear, because when you asked me before, what kind of content, what kind of clients, you know, thrive, I suppose, when working with us, it's when they are intentional and clear, and they know what they want out of it. Um, When it when it's kind of just maybe doing it for doing it's sake, like, oh, it just seems like the, the thing to do. Um, I, like
1: I should and, be doing yeah. it. Someone told me I should start a podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, I mean, it, and that it happens, doesn't it? And and then you can just tell because there's no, you know, there's not, if there's no real strategy um, and you don't really know what you want people to do, or even just if you're not really that clear on what your message is as well, you know, when the topics are so disjointed or, or that kind of thing, how could you expect anyone to be, become attached to the show if the if it's so disjointed or um, there's no theme and and then if how can you work out whether it's successful or not if you didn't really know what success looked like because you'd never planned that far ahead <laughs> yeah
1: well what's interesting and I don't know if you've experienced this when working with executive and corporate clients is they typically have a body of work you know they've got a course they've got training programs you know they've been doing this 20 30 years and so they come familiar you know they've spoken on stage probably or they've run teams and so they're organized and and i've i've found that the the clients that do this and, and are consistent and have the most success are people who like know their material in and out and they've just found like another platform to teach what they already know
0: yeah exactly you already know this stuff it's just a, you know in a different way but do you often find that sometimes people who are so confident and uh, would be really confident on a stage and things like that do sometimes crumble a bit at, at talking into a microphone because it does happen, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because you think that, you know, there's, there's such an expert in what they do when they're, you know, probably when they're in a room in front of like, you know, 10 or 20 people, you know, they, they can run circles around, you know, their competitors in terms of what, what they talk about. But for some reason, I'm dating myself with this reference, but the Brady Bunch in the States, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there was an episode with Cindy Brady where she was on um, in front of a, at a TV station and she was like boisterous, talkative, like you couldn't get her to shut up. And then the green light on the camera goes on. And she froze, <laughs> and she literally froze. She's like, "Uh, and she could, she didn't say anything." And, and I always think about that episode, um, when, when podcasters as well, because you know, for some reason, even though there's, you're not literally speaking because you're just recording, they have a problem like, doing solo episodes or even just kind of like, you know, getting the content out. And I, and I know they know what they, you know, their their subject matter really well, but it's yeah, to your point, it's funny how, just the the, the mediums causes them to freeze up sometimes
0: yeah i think it's just the props and in it, in it just feeling like such an, a different environment and just something that you're not used to isn't it um yeah i totally know what you mean i i always think that you know we all have friends who are just the life and soul of a party but then you bring your phone over and say oh you know say say hello to someone and they'll just be like, what do you want me saying like if you were just the life and soul of the party it's only a camera and I don't it's funny isn't it I don't think it's any kind of any generational thing or anything either it's just something inside us and 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 it doesn't have to be video but audio too and people get the fear of the tech as well don't they And, and 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 can really procrastinate because they maybe think the tech is a is a bigger thing than it than it actually is as well so that's another big hurdle and sometimes if something went wrong we we've all you know in the early stages when I my podcast I remember at first just making silly tech mistakes like not having the input settings right and having my fancy new mic, but having the input settings to my built-in mic and things like that. And you all make mistakes, but you only you only make it once, hopefully, and you learn from it. But I think people can get really um, – I, I see a few things. I see people get really put off because they've got the fear to start or they make a few mistakes and then think – it's not for them rather than you know we all make mistakes and we learn from it and then I think sometimes people do just get bored um and then sometimes mistake failure with the fact that that actually nothing failed um you didn't give it enough chance and and you'd got bored as well so um failure and boredom are not the same thing and just knowing which is which (laughs)
1: so talk a little bit about your show because we talk about now then getting in front of the mic yourself what were some of the things you've learned along the way because you're now over 123 is it <laughs> so like how have you grown as a, as a host from those early days um and what's changed since then
0: i um, i think so when i first started the show uh i guess what the the it was a solo show, intended to be mainly a solo show. And then I started to invite uh, guests onto the show when it was areas, just topics that I didn't know enough about, but I wanted to cover. So I wanted to bring an expert onto the show to, to talk to each other about their expertise. And so I think like you just get better over time, don't you? Like with the solo side of things, I've played around with different formats of doing that. And I actually spend so much more time on a solo episode than interviewing a guest because I spend so much time preparing for it and researching. And um, I've played around with just having like a few bullet points in front of me too a little bit more scripted recently though I think I'm going to go back to the the bullet points and but I've played around with different you know styles of delivery just over time just becoming more comfortable as we said with with the with the setup and talking into a microphone and then the same with guests as well like you just over time you just get more used to honing the skill of guest interviews and preparing and and being being ready to speak to them and knowing what your ultimate goal is i guess the key a key thing i learned early on is that when i was doing guest interviews i think because i thought okay I, i've invited this person on because i really wanted to do a show about youtube and um, i know what I, i'm going to ask them so you know bring them on and speak to them and i didn't really realize that i really should have a specific outcome that I want people who've listened to the episode to take away from it and so it was just kind of you know varied questions about the topic and and at the end there were lots of lots of value sprinkled around but nothing really really specific and so I started to get a lot more specific but I I think maybe with my show because it's about content repurposing it already is really specific because the, the the other side of it is not going too broad because there's loads of episodes of people all the time interviewing people about say YouTube or whatever it is but my angle is always the repurposing side of things so. Um, when I invite people on, I think sometimes they're used to going really broad, and and I really have to kind of pull them in to that. You know, that's great, but like now, let's really look at how can we repurpose this and da, 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 and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, make it actionable because you know who your listener is and what what they've come to your show for. So that's a great point because you it's nice to have the listener in mind and and because if they're listening to your content X, and and someone from YouTube is coming on they're going to expect to hear something about repurposing on YouTube.
0: Repurposing, yeah, exactly. Not just general, you know, general tips about YouTube or general tips about Instagram or whatever it is. And I I, know I always brief people in advance and say that, you know, the show specifically about repurposing. So we're always looking at ways that we can take pieces of content and make them so much more. So I know you're, an, you know, an expert in this, but what we're going to look at is if you did this, how would you repurpose it? How would you do, how would you, you know, break things down? and things like that so it's always good to brief people in advance isn't it and there's been I don't know like a couple of occasions where there was this one occasion where I um it's the first time ever that I responded to a agent you know when people booking agent type that you know like a pitch it's the first time ever that I responded to one and you know you because usually I because I don't have that many guests anyway it is usually people I already have relationship with and I know um but it seemed things seemed quite right um because I was looking for help with that subject matter it seemed quite good so I said okay you know actually um the show's about this and then what was really funny was I received this pack and it was like suggested questions suggested questions you should ask the, <laughs> the,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. the guests
0: it's so funny because it's like well I'm not gonna ask you know any of those questions because that's not what my show is about you know and I just kind of disregarded that and what happened was the guy I think he was so robotically prepared to answer a a set of questions that it didn't matter what I asked he was going to answer (laughs) that question (laughs) so you know if I if I if he was prepared for like what's your favorite color but then I'd said to him you know what do you think about Instagram he'd be like it's red you know I really like red because I'm like "I I just ask you another question and so that was the funny that was that was really really funny you know just trying to kind of control that but yeah otherwise like like you said it's always kind of laser focusing just trying to keep it that way um but solo shows it's it's just over time you get better delivery but you can always improve as well can't you like I always think that I can improve probably quite hard on myself yeah so (laughs)
1: I feel like a deeper dive because it's like, I love talking shop, about, (laughs) especially (laughs) since we both like help clients and just kind of understanding like all the ins and outs of like the social algorithm. Um, How much do you coach your clients on engaging on what picking a channel to engage on as well? Because as much as you can do all the repurposing, there's probably some value in them actually responding to some of the feedback or, you know, picking one, one platform where they want to deep dive and spend more time on there.
0: Yeah, I think it it kind of varies. So some of them come to us really established as it is. So they already, you know, they really know already what their areas of focus are and what their tone is and how they want content to be. And they want us to slot in and maybe take over from an in-house team anyway, or whatever the current situation is. So they're, they're really mature in knowing exactly what what works. And then some clients are a little bit more in between. And then we get people who want us to help launch the show and it's all fresh and new. So it's kind of real different ends of the spectrum. But like you said, I, I think it, firstly... It depends. Most of them usually have got some social media presence. They just might be launching a podcast. So they already know which channels are working for them. So then we really just talk through, you know, what is working? What kind of content are you putting out there? And we'll usually do a bit of research into other, what else is going on in their industry, what seems to be working for similar types of businesses and things like that. But then really to what you said, it depends how much time they have, because obviously some platforms are uh, more time consuming than others. And for example, uh, say Twitter, it's all well and good, us coming up with conversation starters, but we don't continue the conversation because we're not a social media management company in that regard. So if we have clients who say, I don't, uh, you could post on Twitter, but I tell you now, I'm never going to look at it. it. Like that kind of, you know, well, that would be us throwing out, you know, conversations that you're not going to then take part in. And, you know, it is more about likes and retweets as, as much as it is about the conversation, and that kind of thing. So just to broadcast, to only broadcast and, and then kind of just throw it out there and then run away from it, that those kind of platforms you need to have a bit of time or it's not going to work because that, that doesn't work. But then other platforms, you know, you, you can, it is all, they're all about engagement, aren't they? You can post onto YouTube, you can post on your website, but social platforms, but some require less engagement than others. So we, that's, that's one aspect of looking at the time and also just, we look at the publishing schedule then as well, um, to work out what would be the best times to publish based on what seems to work. Um, if they've got past analytics, we can look through and, and work out what looks like really great times to post and great days and things like that and, and, and do a bit of testing, but also what works best for you. So, you know, for example, on LinkedIn, it's, it is great to be there to just see if people did. Comment quite within a certain amount of time because everyone, again, it's all kind of about the algorithm, isn't it? And things like that. So if we're going to post something, on a day where they have an all day board meeting every Monday or something like that, then them coming out of that meeting and finding out we posted something at 10 and, and nothing was commented or remarked on, it's not the best day. Whereas maybe Fridays, their work from home day, you know, where the, they would be more able to maybe take a look and things like that. So we vary it based on what they have time for. But yeah, more so it's what's working, what are other people doing, and looking back at analytics too and seeing um, the sweet spot for the different platforms.
1: Speaking of creating engaging content on LinkedIn, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your your marketing push, <laughs> which I happen to catch. You did a video where you spliced some a video from was it Love actually or
0: <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, that was funny.
1: <laughs> so can um, we'll we'll make sure we link to the uh, we'll we'll find the link to the actual post and we'll put it in the show notes so people can watch it. I was laughing so it was so funny because um because I know you and your friend and it was just so cute. So can you tell just for the listener just paint the picture of what your idea was there and and what you did?
0: Uh, you know what it was just the fact that it was soon to the Christmas break and we realized we hadn't really done any kind of Christmas promo or anything like that and I don't know it's really funny so if if you've seen Love Actually it's the scene where Kira Knightley opens the door and Andrew Lincoln is stood there with with the like it's carol singers and then he goes through the card set and saying that what does it, it all leads really he's saying he's saying that he, he loves her and then he goes so yeah it was so funny because firstly it was we thought it was funny because it's repurposing a, a film um, so it's kind of in line with what we do but repurposing a film into some uh, into a silly piece of of festive content for us and then yeah I just thought I think the reason I think it's so funny is because it is just so amateur in terms of I I tried to do it where I was stood on a dark street just like him but when I did it when I did that, my next door neighbor kept coming over to me. This, <laughs> he's like older guy in his seventies and he just kept, he was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, just filming something, That's you know, so kind funny. of. Um, and, and then the light, the light went, he disturbed me a few times and the light went. And anyway, I was really conscious that if I didn't get it out on this last working day of the year, then it wasn't going to work. So. It was so funny because it was more in the day in like my back garden or something. But then I thought it looked even more funny how amateur it was because like it cut, <laughs> it's us basically Kira me, Kira me, Kira me instead of Andrew Lincoln. But I think we got we got our eye contact quite well because I think we yeah. actually looked like we were looking at each other as well. But I. I It was the re. uh, I like to do these silly things because there was still the repurposing bit because my cards were like, you know, you need to repurpose more. Yeah, it was totally on brand. It was, was, yeah, yeah. it was funny. So we've got another. I'm I'm so excited about our next one because it's a major film, um, and it's a really iconic scene from it, and we're doing something again, but I'm not going to tell you because it's (laughs) a big surprise, but it's really good.
1: So when you think about something like that, because you, you do put, put, put a lot of time into it and you know, you've got to get the editing done. What, when you think like instinctually, like, where am I going to put this first? I saw it on LinkedIn. Do you have like a, a first platform of choice for this type of content, especially since it's video?
0: Well, for that, it was actually LinkedIn because I thought that the audience of LinkedIn and it was, that was the last working, that was the Friday before Christmas. So I thought it was like a, LinkedIn was great because it was kind of a wind down day for people who were probably more likely on LinkedIn and just waiting you know, to finish the last day, working day of the year and messing about on social media. So I felt like for that in particular, LinkedIn, but for us, like we, LinkedIn and Instagram, I think are the two, the two main ones. I always try and bear in mind time of posting too, because being in the UK, but most of my audience and clients are in the US. So we always try and make sure that we Try and do something in our afternoon that is the morning vus us and things like that. Yeah, but I think when it's video, like LinkedIn is probably the main one, followed by uh, Instagram. Not do, don't do so much on on Facebook and do a little bit on Twitter. But that that day in particular it was like we just put everything out on the one day. But usually we sprinkle it through the week and we sprinkle different things on different the same thing on different days on the different platforms so that someone following on linkedin doesn't then go to instagram then go to twitter and just see same mm-hmm. same 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 same
1: you, you stagger you stagger it across different times yes yeah. yeah and di- and different days as well
0: you said, well apart from when it's content that is like say today is the day that my podcast goes live so on a day where it's time specific then we would do it all the same day but just at different times of the day but then if it's not time sensitive but we want to put the same thing on the different platforms we definitely do it on kind of different days you know so it's not just all on the same the the person looking everywhere sees the same thing all at the same time if that makes sense
1: and obviously there's power in the linkedin algorithm by you embedding the video natively into linkedin right
0: yeah if you i've when we've tested this if you if you put it onto youtube and then just put the youtube link you are just dead to LinkedIn, they, they, that's it. <laughs> um, no, I, honestly, like when I tested it with another video and posted it native and, you know, got however many, like hundred hundreds or thousand plus of views or whatever, and then tried the YouTube and two views or something, like literally can't have gone to hardly anyone. So really recommend native videos. But I think anyone looking to go, in on LinkedIn. Video is definitely a great medium on LinkedIn at the moment. It seems to be really favorable.
1: Yeah, not a lot of people are using it. No.
0: And of course, LinkedIn Live isn't with everyone yet because it's a gradual rollout and request only. So you don't really see that many. Like, we're, We mutually know Evo Terror, don't we? And he seems to be doing a lot of LinkedIn Lives, but I don't really seem to see many other people doing that. And I think that's a good opportunity. And situations like that for podcasters, where it's something like live, I'm not saying necessarily do a live podcast, but it can be great to jump on and just tell people what the episode is about and ask people if they've got any questions or do it after. Because, you know, you could even say in your podcast that if you want to dig deep with this topic with me, I go live on LinkedIn every Friday to talk about the week of the weekly topic. Um come join me and then, you know, build a community of people that can engage with you in a live way. And and you can still talk about the podcast topic of the week or even invite, you know, a guest on or something like that. But I think that can work really well merging live with podcasts because you merging something that's a bit unreachable with something just completely engaging and full, accessible reach with people. So I think they work really, really well.
1: Yeah, I was just on a a guest on a a show called The Pirate Broadcast with Russ Johns, and (laughs) I had to get up at eight o'clock in the morning to be on there because he was doing it live. (laughs) But it was really, it was really interesting because he has a core group of people that follow his content and they were just, they were there, they were live, they were commenting. So I think it's one of those overlooked platforms when it comes to live broadcasting. People typically do Facebook lives and Instagram lives, but I think uh, LinkedIn live for the business community, I think is pretty, is definitely pretty powerful and probably not being used as much as it should be.
0: No. And if you're an early adopter and you're doing it now, it's like Facebook years ago, where you even get a notification saying somebody's gone live, don't you? Which that's long gone from Facebook. It's powerful. Yeah, exactly. So it's a good good opportunity for people to jump on, I think.
1: So a couple of questions as we wrap up, what's something you've changed your mind about recently?
0: I'll tell you something that I've changed my mind on based on listening to a podcast that's got nothing to do with podcasting. I've started not eating breakfast and doing intermittent fasting. Fasting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really love this podcast called feel better live live more um by wrong on chatterjee and it's so funny the lifestyle changes that i make based on podcast episodes it's so funny <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so yeah but actually i always thought forever that like breakfast was such an important meal and um you know always would have something but for last month or so i ha- well not every day but most days i just have a coffee and skip it till lunch and i've been feeling so much sharper in the morning and, and so much more productive yeah yeah so anyway yeah that's something that i've changed based on a podcast. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's something that I've been dabbling with as well. Well, not I have. No, actually, I've been thinking about it, not dabbling. (laughs) (laughs) I just had my eggs and toast this morning. so (laughs) Well, just, yeah, I may need to switch for a couple of the last couple of minutes because my AirPods are dying. Are they dying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was, I've been thinking about it as well from an energy perspective. I think it might make sense to 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 give it a shot. So it's something that, yeah, it's, it's funny how many new habits we try because of podcasting.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, I'm always changing lifestyle because of <laughs> something that I heard on a podcast.
1: <laughs> so funny. What's the most misunderstood thing about you?
0: I think because I am quite quiet sometimes, like quite, I can be quite shy and quite introverted, people might misunderstand that for being uh maybe like meek or you know not particularly like clear and directing ideas and forceful and that kind of thing but actually I'm a, I'm a quietly confident person and my shyness and introversion definitely doesn't reflect on me as like the how you know strong i can be in my ideas and my confidence in a quietly confident kind of way if that makes sense <laughs>
1: Well, Amy, I'm so glad we got the chance to connect because, I mean, just on a personal level, I'm glad we got to, uh, I got to learn a little bit more about you and hear the story of, you know, how you ended up in podcasting because I've always been curious and I'm looking forward to um, connecting again. Are you, you going to be at Podfest or are you, which, which conferences have you, are you planning?
0: Sad, sad story. Um, no, I'm not going to be at Podfest. <laughs> I assume you are, aren't you? But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a shame. I was going to go to Social Media Marketing World, which was a few days earlier in San Diego. And actually, I've I've, I've cancelled that too, but it was all a bit too late. But I'll be at Podcast Movement in uh, Dallas. So I shall see you there.
1: (laughs) That'll be fun. So where's the best place for folks to connect with you, learn more about ContentX business and the podcast?
0: I think it's best just to send people to content10x.com, content10x.com, because you can get my podcast and links to social and everything from content10x.com.
1: Well, thanks again. I'm glad we were able to make the time. We had a couple of scheduling snafus as well. (laughs) We
0: got there. Yeah,
1: we we got there. We figured it out. We made the tech work. Um, So I'm really grateful for you to coming on and, and sharing your story with my audience.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.
1: Thanks again to Amy for sharing her story and for sharing her insights on how she's built her company and how she's managed to have incredible success, especially in this environment. And I think it's something that's very inspiring to new entrepreneurs. Thanks to our episode sponsor, Focusrite. Check out the complete line at podcastjunkies.com forward slash right podcast marketing and production by fullcast.co intro natural music composed by cedar and soil check out his fantastic collection of music at cedarsoil.com tune in next week for my conversation with chris Dufay, an outstanding coach who i've connected with through one of my business masterminds black belt which may many of you have heard me mention before he's an incredibly incredibly inspiring dude And he's currently living in Bali. And his story is nothing short of amazing and very, very inspiring. So looking forward to sharing that with you next week. If you made it this far, you're no doubt waiting for the retention hashtag. Let's go with 10xAmy. And you can tag Amy at content10x and me at podcast underscore junkies. Once again, to all of you listening, stay safe in this wild, wild world we're living in now. I love and appreciate each and every one of you.